intros? Okay. Hi. Podcast. You want to hear my real singing voice? What? Amazing. You are blowing out your mind. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Okay, hi, podlings. Welcome back to the podcast. That's my favorite party bit to do, is to do like is that. A- do you want to hear my real singing voice and sing terribly? Is this a party bit? Yeah, like <laughs> at a social gathering. Oh, my God. Hi, I'm Gelsey Blythe at Gelsey Blythe on Instagram. And I'm Lily Annabelle, Lily Dot Annabelle. Lily like the flower, Annabelle like the doll. Yeah, and you can find the podcast on <laughs> all the platforms and email us at same person different at gmail.com. Welcome back to this episode that started so strange. You know, it's a Tuesday. Everything's True. strange. It's strange. It's a Tuesday. It's been a really long day. I'm kind of glad we have a very chill topic today. Yeah, I definitely know exactly what topic that is, and I'm also excited. You chose the topic for this week, Lily. And I'm so excited about it. No, I know what topic it is. Lily, what's the topic this week? We're talking about fan fiction. Woot, woot. Woot, woot. I don't have a microphone today, so the audio is going to be questionable quality. One piece of feedback I got from my work friend is that we state our affirmations vocally too much, and sometimes it muddles the audio. So I'm going to try not to say so many uh uh-huhs and yahs today. I I like that we affirm each other personally. I I mean, I love to affirm. I think, look, this is not against Lily's art work people so if they're listening to this I'm not saying you're wrong I'm saying part of our charm of this podcast is the fact that we we're a weird echo chamber of two people (laughs) I will also say like as a person with like multiple things that make me very neurodivergent I have to actively affirm you or I will not stay like (laughs) present and focused in the conversation I also do not have the time nor the energy to edit out every time we do it so anyways how how's your week so far been it's been good you know getting back into the swing of things I'm just tired I'm so old now I just sit and crochet and drink my wine and watch my shows my crime shows (laughs) how about you Kelsey uh same I had a pretty busy day mostly because I had that interview this morning I think it went well it went well so fingers crossed Uh, and then I had to go from there straight to work so it was just like nonstop. Like I was gone from my house from like 10 a.m. to 4, which I get like as a normal person thing, but it's not normal for my life, the life I've grown accustomed to. That's student life. Yeah. And like, I guess like if it was like a normal job, I would just be at one place. But the fact that I had to like go from the Upper East Side all the way to Brooklyn, I was like, this is just a lot. I have to drive my car 15 minutes to and from work and that is exhausting That's too to much. me. <sighs> so before we get into our, our podcast, our podcastia offerings. Oh, yes, yes. I want to share a little bit about what was going to be my podcast offering until big news hit the the headlines today. Oh God! Okay, what was yours? Um, so it was going to be just talking about um the Matilda the movie of the musical. Yeah, I watched it with some friends on Friday night. Honestly, I wasn't really interested in it. I wasn't (gasps) going to watch it on my own until they until they suggested it, and it was really good. It's so good. It's so it's sweet. so good. Like I, I knew I was familiar with the songs. I was familiar with the the Tony's performance, especially oh, all the yeah. ones that are in there. Oh, and the alphabet song. I was in that. I was the British kid doing the voice. Why? Why did you hear what I said? Okay, I don't me. think we should be allowed to be doing British voices. 
No, it was so bad. We're going to get canceled. I don't think so, but we're definitely not going to be make friends with our We're going to get canceled. Canceled with two L's. Well, I was, one gonna, L. I was almost thinking Which about bringing in all, I haven't read it or anything because it just came out today, but and I was going to maybe bring in uh, the fact that Prince Harry's memoir came out this week, today, like literally today. And as I went in to get my, do my interview at the bookstore, so many people came just to pick up that. And they had like this huge stack of spares that have people's names that have pre-ordered it. And I'm like, my God, I will wait for a podcast I listen to, Celebrating Memoir Podcast, uh, they, Book Club Podcast. They review them and they're going to do it Thursday. I'm like, that's all I need. I don't need to actually read this. Has anyone made a TikTok with the audio from a very Potter musical where it's like, you're such, such a spare guy, Cedric. You're just always there. You're such a spare. Kill that's so, the spare. so niche like, that I feel like only you could do it. I, I was going to bring that in, but then I was like, I actually don't have much to say about it. And probably anything I say, like there will be a large contingent of people who disagree with me. So is it that know. no one cares what redheads have to say? Yeah, that's really it. It's hot, hot ginger. I love you. Uh, my mom's had a crush on you forever. Uh, like that's maybe one of the few fundamental truths of her life. No, I think my opinion on it is one, I, I lived in Ireland, which so, you know, I have like a lot of anti-UK feelings because if you live in Ireland <laughs> for four years, you get indoctrinated. They make some good points. So like in general, I'm like very pro Meghan and Harry leaving that nonsense. And I would end up talking about, because obviously I didn't read it and I didn't watch the Harry and Meghan documentary because I just it, the whole thing makes me very sad and upsetting the whole I don't know I find the whole thing very uh um I've always found the royal family very uh, I have like I had a very weird connection to Queen Elizabeth I felt very like this is this is so nonsense I, I just have this weird way where I think like psychologically I related her to my grandmother so I've like trauma bonded to her but like you know other than her no I don't know I just feel the whole thing I feel like people purposely misinterpret what both of them say because they're so like gung-ho about a monarchy that doesn't matter to us and a like 300 years ago we like fought to be not be a part of anymore they're like how dare he speak about ugly ugly face charles like this how ugly face how dare he say this how dare he not love his balding brother how dare he i'm like i don't know like my family isn't the royal family but we are <laughs> lots of royally fucked up moments so it's like yeah i can't imagine that that family isn't even more screwed up because they're you know have actual stakes to their familial hood, whereas ours is just low nothing. There's nothing at stake there. My thing is I just can't, like, engage with world leaders anymore. <laughs> I had my heart broken by a man named Justin Trudeau. Okay, well, I had a Justin Trudeau wall calendar. I was, like, we were, like, all fawning over him, and at, then... And then he was a... Did the, all the brown face. All the, the brown, brown face. face. I will also say, at least Justin Trudeau is a democratically elected figure and not a <laughs> monarch who doesn't do anything but take, like, all the British people's money like they and, like, live off the state for free. If they're all going to wear racist Halloween costumes, we might as well have a democratically elected one. Exactly. Like, if you're going to be That's a racist, like, at least let us vote you. <laughs> it, no, I just, I don't know. I just find... Or a hot take, no racist Halloween costumes. Well, really, that's the dream. But look, until we get to a certain, out of a certain age demographic, it's not going to happen. I love when these cancellations happen, because I think this is just like a generational divide, because like older millennials... And I'm not saying they often, they're not, they're not like defending the racism, but they'll often be like, well, you know, that was just a costume people did back then. I'm like, um, I don't know. I, I mean, like, this has to be a generational thing because never in my life did I think, oh, yeah, I'm going to dress as a person of another race. I think the closest I ever got was when I was very little. I dressed up as Cleopatra, but Cleopatra's also Greek. So it's not like, and I also no, didn't like tan so... my skin or anything. And I also will say I fundamentally got Cleopatra and like Aphrodite confused. Like I didn't understand the differences. Because <laughs> I was like, I was like five. 
all I know is pretty lady. So like, I remember having the costume catalog and I was like, oh, I want the one with the pretty toga. And I think I pointed at Cleopatra and then I was Cleopatra, but I was like, oh, I'm sure these are the same people. But I'm like, that's probably the worst it ever got for me. I mean, I am... Um... On the eve of the 2008 election, uh, was come to school dressed as a politician day, and I was a girl, so my option was Sarah Palin, and so I told my mom I wanted to go. Wow, Hillary Clinton is upset. Dressed also, as Sarah you have Palin. a very, you have a striking resemblance to Monica Lewinsky, so you could have made a statement. That would be really funny. I think like maybe you in a blue dress. Like, I find I Monica very beautiful, so. But I would dress as Monica Lewinsky, not in a like ha ha kind of way, like the way no, guys. No, no, you would be Monica Lewinsky. It's respectful yeah. Monica Lewinsky outfit. I would wear like a Monica Lewinsky slang and a black fit with like a like a veil, like Beyonce. Yes, a Beyonce Monica. That's what I'm seeing. No, I just I don't know. The whole thing just seems messy, and I I think it's good he wrote a book because I mean like I don't like that people like purposely misinterpret it. Like apparently there were some leaks, and someone was like, "Prince Harry is saying this is this," and that's like also clearly not like there was something about um like it was like Prince Harry's mad that Kate Middleton wouldn't share her lip gloss with Meghan. And then, like, they would show the passage. And that's not what the passage was about. The passage was, like, mentioned this incident where, like, Megan asked for, like, a daub of, like, lip, like squeezing tube lip gloss. And Kate kind of was apprehensive of it. And then, like, I, I guess this may would have happened. But what then happened is that the UK tabloids turned it into this huge thing about Megan being overbearing and bullying Kate. And that's what he was talking about. Like, that, like, I, I swear people have no media literacy. Because he was, he was like, it's not the lip gloss that matters. It's the fact that it's so stupid, but it was made a huge deal to slander my wife. But then everyone in the comments was like, oh, he's such a brat. They get, they'll complain about anything, him and his wife. There's something for, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm not saying that's like whatever, but also that's not what was happening. It's just, it's so weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why I did not want to do so that. That's why I my... didn't do that. <laughs> but we still Things talk. we didn't sacrifice, but we wanted to talk about. Yeah. All right, but we'll sacrifice for realsies, I guess. Oh, <laughs> I guess yeah. Yeah. Lily, you're going first, right? Yes, it's my this All is right. my, right. my job to keep track of whose turn it is. Yay! Okay, I hate that this has come up another time in a year. They just want the clicks. They just want the clout. But we got to talk about the M and M's. What has happened to the M and M's? They came out with a new M&M who's purple, which is fun because purple is a yeah, color that M&M I love should purple. be and all candy should be. It's happened a while ago, Lily. Why are we bringing yes, this up they now? They just had M&M things. So it, they introduced a new M&M that's a purple peanut yeah, M&M. And they came out with packaging that's all female M&Ms. So oh, the packaging has the brown, brown the green, it, oh, and now the purple, purple M&M on it. Play. I want those. And it's upside down because they're like flipping the tables on the Patreon. Well, that's a little weird. I, I honestly didn't need Eminem to make a statement about this. Here's the thing, though. This is why I need to sacrifice this. Burn it at the altar of podcasting discourse. Because it. objectively, it's so stupid. It's so like, oh, we no. like want to take women's money. It's like the most performative activist brand shit ever. But I can't say that because then I'm agreeing with Tucker Carlson. So now oh. I have to go out like, yes, queen, girl, slay. We love girl boss M&Ms. I... Like, what, am I going to agree with Tucker I... Carlson? No, you don't want to do that. I think my opinion is I didn't really think Eminem needed to make a statement about this. So it's a little weird that they did. I wasn't I wasn't waiting for Eminem. Like, what are they going to say? Like, oh, what... now it's W and W? <laughs> when I think of patriarchy, I don't think of the red Eminem. 
Wait, is that why they're flipping them upside down? Because when you flip the <gasps> M over, it's a W? Changing the brown M&M from having like a stiletto pump to a black No, no, no that was the green sense. M&M. The brown M&M was always a smart girl. The green one was the sexy one. Yeah, but she had, she had like a pointier thing and then they changed it to a block hill, which makes boobs? sense for her that character. M&M boobs? Yeah, little pointy Katy Perry, Madonna Yeah, you know boobs. how- the M&M's had boobs for a while and then they stopped. I thought that was interesting. She had like, she had slightly chunkier or like slightly pointier low heels and then yeah. they became low block heels. Mm. That made sense for that character. She was always like the smart For that character? One. But the green M&M in a sneaker? The Are you kidding symbol, me? The sex symbol of this country. Okay. The she's like, she's had Marilyn Monroe, the green M&M. Miss That's Piggy. <laughs> Miss Piggy, the holy trinity of American sex symbols. It's so... It makes me so angry. And they gave her the ugliest shoes, too. She's wearing, like, lace-up yeah. combat boots. Like, we couldn't mm. just leave the go-go mm. boots to the green M&M. The green M&M can still be out there slaying and being mean, being a B-I-T-C-H, like, in her boots. Like, why did she need gross sneakers? Give the give the purple M&M the sneakers. She seems like a sneakers kind of gal. Also, just personifying food and food mascots is so dumb. So yeah, stupid. This was a lot, Lily. I don't care about it, but then I have to care about it because because dumb people like Tucker Carlson or Martha McWhatever on Fox News are gonna care about it. Okay. Well, I'm gonna let so, that die. We're gonna sizzle that on the on the that one. Okay. All right. Uh Podcastia, thank you for that offering. I hope you enjoy. Um Podcastia mm-hmm. is now me. Uh sex is so dumb too. It's stupid. <laughs> But, like, I can't, like, I, I keep saying to myself, I'm not going to care about this. And then, like, something will come up. I'm like, actually, I have to care about this. Have you seen on TikTok the girl who, like, maybe has a fake scar? Yes. Okay. Scar girl, what is it? I have been on so many videos and, like, proof and sh- shit that it's not real. But then, I don't know. I'm starting to believe it's real. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've seen too many things where it's, like, in different places. But I've places. seen a lot of things where... It's it seems real. Maybe it's twins, and one of them Our has twin. a scar, one doesn't. This is concerning. Well, the thing is, she like posted this video, and then she had it like really close up, and it really does look like like a scab. But in some things, it looks so fake. Yeah, but do you think she's like putting on beauty look- mode or something? Well, she said she has it on beauty mode, and it makes it look weird. But if it mm. she doesn't, and that's what she did, she took it off, and then you could see like it looked really like scabby. Which then someone well, like, that could be it. And then I'm like, you know, the human skin is actually, I don't know. I think this is one of those things where I like have watched so many like Dr. Pimple Popper and stuff where I'm like, they come in with some wild looking face things where it's like, I wouldn't be surprised. And then I'm wondering if it's the, like somewhere in the middle, right? Like, does she actually have this like really gross scab? But then does the scab like have some weird discoloration on the edges? So then she goes in with like a darker color to like blend it. To like to wear it as it's just like the look of it that but, but, I really yeah, don't think it, it looks like, weird but it's also finger. like but here's the thing here's the thing here's a good point who would do this like what does she gain she's a beautiful girl she could just get like fine off her own clout so why is she doing this and her father came on and said it was real and I don't know I trust I don't know I just don't think my father would do that for me I don't know I think mine would if your father you don't think, you don't think George would lie about your scar for you yeah, I think he would be like, you have to pay me like 50 bucks, you idiot. Yeah, Kyle. I think he would. You have $50, don't you? I'm not going to give my dad 50 bucks to lie about a scar. Also, I have great skin, so I'm not going to. But yeah. the thing is, she like talked about it and she made a good point where it's like the first scar was like that big scratch. And that's the one people always use to compare. But she then went and got like this chemical treatment for it that burned her. 
So I'm also thinking, like, yeah, chemical burns do sort of look up. And that would make sense why it's, like, kind of in a weird shape. Like, it looks like somebody applied something, which is what the chemical burn would have been, like, from a treatment. I mean, part of it is it's so dark, but maybe that is the beauty mode filter. Oh, I don't know. I get gaslit into believing it's real. And then, like, part of me, I'm going to be honest, wants it to be real. You know, speaking of scars, you know, I have this, like, really tiny one across the bridge of my nose. Mm -hmm. Oh, you do have that little scar. I don't know if you can even see it, but I have, like, it's, like, from my Yeah, I see it in person. I know what you're talking about. And, like, I don't know. I don't even, like, notice. This is really, like, wrinkling. You can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It only really shows up when you furrow your brow. Yeah. And, like, I I think partially because I have, like, bangs now, but also, like, I just hadn't noticed it. Like, I was used to my own face for years, and it's never bothered me. Yeah. Maybe more so when I was younger, but, like never has and then I was on a date earlier this well not this year last year <laughs> this guy was like uh that's an interesting scar how'd you get it and I was like and I was like fuck you uh, over. you're an interesting asshole how'd you get it uh, I was like um don't point out things that people could be insecure about and huh. that includes scars I want to believe scar girl that's one thing too well did you ever reschedule that date you were supposed to go on I did I never followed up about that how'd that go it was good um clearly you aren't the loves of each other's lives no I don't I don't think so I like I'll go out with him again like we've been texting but it's not oh okay interesting I don't know if there's like a spark no continue. how was your uh date he listens to this podcast I won't give him any idea I know you're listening <laughs> yeah Justin things wasn't Justin I'll get it one of these days all right <laughs> so speaking of relationships I think we should go speak about today's topic which is about the greatest relationships that we have in the world the relationship to fictional men (laughs) yeah the relationship between fan and fiction today we're talking about fan fiction (laughs) because we needed a break also i don't want people the heavy stuff we did heavy things i don't want people to think we only bash bad mothers on here (laughs) which we do a lot because we're women and we also don't know we get it okay like we have good mothers so we're just gonna have good mothers and we want to let you know what (laughs) but also so much of our society is built around like mothers and kids that it's like, of course, I'm gonna have an opinion on it. Yeah. Anyways, but we're not gonna do that today. We're gonna talk about fan fiction and the beautiful world of fan fiction. Do a quick little history, uh, and then I talk about the biggest, most scandalous fanfics there's been in the last, you know, twenty years. And then I pulled up quite a few bad fan fictions from Hellscape that is Wattpad for us to read. So, like we always said, Lily, what is your relationship to fan fiction? So I first learned about fan fiction. I was never, as a child, like very online. Um, I didn't have social media till later in high school. Um, but going into middle school, my friend told me about this website, Quotev. So I wasn't even like an AO3 or a fan fiction fan that early. Bottom of the barrel. Yeah, so I started on Quotev with like I think she was telling me about the Justin Bieber, Jason McCann fan fiction. I was a Jason McCann girly. For um for people who are unfamiliar, Jason McCann is the name of a character that Justin Bieber played on like NCIS or Criminal Minds or something. Who was like the younger brother of a bomber and the Justin Bieber the the believers took this and they ran with it and they made this whole subgenre of Justin Bieber. It, it the character's name is Jason McCann. So Jason McCann is this like gang oh, leader. Okay, well, this, and there's I have like to look this up now. Other people in the gang, but like he's played by Justin Bieber. So like any pictures were like edited pictures of Justin Bieber with like tats and piercings and stuff. And like the other like members <laughs> of the gang would be like played CSI by other Las Vegas. It wasn't even the main yeah No. He wasn't even, it wasn't even like hardcore Justin Bieber. It was like baby Justin Bieber, but then they turned it into hardcore oh, okay. Justin Okay, this is the number one McCann fan it's fiction not good. on Wattpod and it's called His Good Girl, a Jason McCann story. There are aspects of stalking um, like a lot of like I've been watching you and then I'm gonna 
kidnap you baby girl <laughs> it's literally <laughs> like 365 it was not not the best material to be consuming as a child and there was like in the in those spaces there was a lot of like really concerning themes like I there was oh, many times where sure. I would stop a, a story because like either the love interest was like abusive like physically or sexually mm, um or like there was there, especially like and when you got into like there was a lot of like the muse the musician based ones like we got into like black veil brides and stuff there was a lot of stuff where people were writing about self-harm and stuff and I, even I don't even know if they were doing it or not it was horrifying I'm sorry so I'm still I got out of that fandom uh, as quickly as I could I would I would dabble in it from time to time I go back, back to the and Jason get... McCann fanfic in my 20s I've decided that this is my fandom I belonged in I didn't know this existed but right? like, yeah. so you like you come back to it every once so I don't know like in quarantine I was like what were they doing over on Jason McCann it's called McCann's girl I missed him a lot Jason had been gone for nearly four weeks this is the longest we've been apart I was used to Jason having to leave the city or even the country to do business-related things. <laughs> what? Oh, there yeah, are so many, Lily. There's so much. There's Wait, it's infinite, and then like One Direction. Oh, One Direction, yeah. One Direction is a gang. Five Seconds of Summer as a gang. If you were not kidnapped by One Direction and then held hostage or sold to one or sold to Five Seconds of Summer because your mother needed money and you were beautiful. Did you have a child? Who were you? Who are you? I, oh my gosh, One Direction in the purse. Day, I secretly believe One Direction could have kidnapped me because it was a narrative that was given to me as a child over and over that those boy band members were going to kidnap me for ransoming my Just middle class idea. Every boy band was a gang. And like you would be reading a One Direction gang fan fiction and they would be enemies with Jason McCann and Five Seconds of Summer as a gang. And there was like a whole boy band gang Okay, someone needs to adapt that cinematic universe. All played by the original like performers. Oh, yeah, I, I was watching, speaking of that. fan fiction, I was watching an after movie, like the third one. Uh, I was like, this would be amazing if they had just gotten Harry Styles to Harry, I me. think Harry would have done it. I think for the right prize, Harry would have done it. He needs acting experience. He needs the yeah, resume. He, really, he needs some practice. Yeah, I think that's would have been a good place to practice his acting. Amazing. Yeah. Really, did you ever write fan fiction? Yeah, so that gets into my next, um, the, the next era was when I got into my uh, Harry Potter era, and then eventually a little bit of Vampire Diary. So I have really now three main ships that I am interested in um, as a reader, consumer of fanfiction. Dramione. Uh-huh. Amen. Of course. Um, Claroline, I think you're seeing a pattern here. Uh-huh. Um, I actually had never watched the Vampire Diary. No, but you just I had the only- ship. I had discovered the ship because I was reading, because I get into like genres too. I was reading pirate fan fiction. You lo- I okay, love, I Lily's love a, good... a pirate girl. There's not enough pirate AUs out there for Lily. There, there's not. And like, so I love it when they like, especially like when they're like about to get married and like the pirates like come and interrupt the wedding. Yeah. Like, and pirates just the Caribbean about really like to you a little bit. Apparently, like it's really stuck with me. Um, and then my third and like favorite of all time fan fiction ship, which is a lot more wholesome than my other uh dabblings, which is Jilly, and that is James and Lily Potter fan fiction. And also that's um, canon because they did get they had a child, Lily. They were married. Maybe it works, but there are so many like Jilly AUs. There are good like Pride and Prejudice AUs. There's also good Dramini Pride and Prejudice mm-hmm. AUs. But um, I'm, yeah, I was a big alternate universe girly. And you like take familiar characters and familiar dynamics, yeah. rework them in a new setting. It's a tale as old as tale. Tale of a bodice, give them a ship. Yeah, Say and I did boy. write a, a Jilly uh, I pirate. I think that has stuck with me for, I can remember it so vividly because you read it to me in a Panera. 
Oh my god, I don't even remember that. I remember reading that and be like, this is some of the sexiest shit I've ever read. Who knew that I had this horny little friend? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I do. I, as, I, as established two episodes ago, we were forest pervs, but I didn't know how you were also a pirate perv. Yeah, I, I love a pirate. Okay, Real, what, one last sidebar before I learn about your fanfiction history. Oh, no. Um, For my birthday, my roommate, Sydney, got me the most wonderful pirate book. Um, mm. uh, the first, so it was actually the second book in a series, which we didn't know when she got it for me, but I read it first and it was, I just one of those, like, the, each book focuses on a different, like, pairing. So, yeah. like, you don't really have to have read the first, nice. the first book. So the first book is called The Wisteria Society of Lady Scoundrels. Oh, you recommended this to me before. Yes, it's really good. And then the, um... The sequel is called, I want to make sure I get it right, The League of Gentlewomen Witches. And it's a world where, like, witches and pirates both have magic, but pirates use their magic to, like, fly houses and witches, like, do spells. And so... The two um, genders. Yeah, the two genders. Um, But it is so good. It is really fun. It's whimsical. And, like, especially the second one, like, they get to make it out, like, a third of the way in. There's, like, there's some tension. And they still hate each other after they're, like, basically together already. They're still, like, I hate you, but, like, we're going to go get married. Like, ah, so good. Tell me about your um, okay, I was fan fiction history. Me. Uh, same thing. I don't think I, I never got into Jason McCann, which is now I'm upset. I'm very angry. But I did. Um, I've always loved kind of, like, just cheap literature. So then fan fiction is sort of that, but with characters you know, and it's free. And you're like, oh, this is so good. So I've read, I think, yeah, I, I obviously read the ones that everyone read, like One Direction, Five Seconds of the Summer. You just kid and avoid it. What I really loved fan fiction for uh, is that I often loved, like, I I realized from an early age I was shipping characters. I was like, I have headcanons and shipping. Like, I didn't have the language to describe it, but I knew that's what I was, that's what mm-hmm. I was doing. As I'd be like, mm, these two characters need to be together. Or I'd be like, is there tension here? And it's like, this is a children's show. Like, I remember, I don't... I remember like watching uh the math-based programming cyber chase and being like I feel like there's some tension here and there's like I don't even remember the main characters but then one of the characters sort of flirts with the other girl and then there's like this cool guy on a math planet who starts flirting with her and I was like and I was five and I was or like six I was like oh enemies to love her get it I'm trying to think the first time I really wanted like characters to get together maybe it was like Kovu and the the girl one in uh Lion King 2 yeah Kovu and the girl one in like too. that was definitely up there uh yeah and I think I in general I've always been an enemies to lovers shipper so when anytime I would go crazy for like one-off episodes of kids shows where there would just be like one bad boy showing up for a day and I was like he'd become my new personality of the week I'd be like yes and I was like there was no language to describe what I was feeling as a child but I was like this is beautiful and then I think this is so random I think also kind of going off like childhood beginnings obviously the uh because I'm half fan fiction from it because I pulled it. Uh, the 2004 Peter pa- live action Peter Pan. That's when I was like, mm, this is romance. This is I've beautiful. never seen that. Lily, I can't. That can't be true. Lily, it's pirates, and it's the. It's. I remember as a child, I was like, this is the horniest thing that should not be okay. allowed for children. You, Lily, you, you won me over, this. pirates Lily, horny, and there. It. It's like it's it's like again as it, like an adult now because the, the characters are children. I'm like no, but I can't remember like vividly being like six years old and be like I am feeling things and then I would go in my head and be like I'm gonna pretend I'm Wendy and Peter Pan's and anyways so I was always very into that sort of thing and then obviously I found the internet found fan fiction so anytime I wanted to find like ships for things that were not canonized I was like I'll go read that because again I always like 
the the bad boy or the enemy lover person so I was like I need to read them getting together because that will fulfill me because that's what they should do they shouldn't go with the nice guy they should go date the person who's bad to them which I think says a lot about me as a person. <laughs> and like how we value ourselves and how I mean my value first ourselves. my first like hubba hubba movie was the labyrinth <laughs> okay but so true it's so horny so horny and when the ballroom scene and I'd be like she let me just say Sarah's a stronger woman than I am I honestly I was I never wrote fan fiction other than like some private stuff I would write some like stuff that had no basis but I just like to do it uh but it was obviously very inspired by fan fiction and I would say I don't know if I'll leave this in the pod or not because this is one of my worst shameful <laughs> secrets but I will say this in school when I was again I would like to be an unmedicated and mentally ill <laughs> preface and I did this with another person he wrote fan fiction based about our school I was not aware of all of this no I had like a friend who like wrote her diary of like what happened to her on like like a Wattpad I think it was maybe on Quotev but like changed people's names but it was like started with the same letter it's not like horrible like no I think there are more shameful things I will say it like crossed some boundaries because these people had no consent in me writing the story but I also was very much 14 and like that didn't have those concepts and you know that's hilarious hey when I the part of the reason I love Jilly so much I love the relationship dynamic of like that again like enemies to lovers one of them falls first and like grows and changes I think that all of that's really pretty and beautiful but also because my name is Lily and it made self-insert really easy I recently discovered that one of my friends um who I will not share any details about how I know this person because she lives in confidence um with with a group of friends but that she had written a warrior cats fan fiction back in the day which i think is just a unparalleled vibe i think warrior warriors cat i never got into i didn't really get the you weren't a warrior cats person no i didn't get i just never read them i think it's because there were just so many of them that it just felt very overwhelming i didn't really get into i would say like fan fiction for like existing characters except for jason mccann it was always like i was into real people jason mccann Oh, real people fiction fiction is the wildest thing in the world. Which now I think it's very unethical. Okay, that's my fan fiction history, but I thought it'd be fun to actually go through the real history of fan fiction. Ooh. Origins today. So I actually, fun factual, I did my, one of my finals for one of my classes about fan fiction. And like, because I truly believe fan fiction, whether you think the writing's good or bad, it is like a really important part of like just society and like art. It's super weird. It's unique. And also it's been happening for forever there's a lot of things we could consider fan fiction I think that I personally consider fan fiction for example I've mentioned this before there are like apocryphal texts that were in the bible that were like written way after the bible was made and that's sort of like people just being like I'd like to be in the bible too and in some ways bible itself is very fan fiction-y because Jesus life gets written by four different men who just knew him really well and like this is the life of Jesus it's like okay sure maybe who knows so like that's something but also Ovid uh with like Ovid's metamorphosis is a form of fan fiction because he really just took myths that were existing and then rewrote them and yeah. did different stuff with them which is very very fanficy, I would say and then obviously as I personally believe is that Dante's Inferno and Paradise Lost are the ultimate fan fiction and also their fan fiction that have worked very well because there's so much of modern like Christianity that people think they're like quoting the Bible and they're really just like quoting Bible fan fiction the two old men like old dudes wrote like an old Italian man and an old English man were like this is my bible fan fiction Satan's hot now and he wanted to have sex with Jesus do people disagree that it's fan fiction yeah people disagree with that because they think well it's high literature I'm like no it's definitely fan fiction I mean it was I mean I think I've read some high literature fan fiction that's like so beautifully hey, written all the young dudes manacle <laughs> <laughs> uh and then of course like this is really I also 
I'm an English student, so I know all this stuff, but also Google can help you get these answers. It's not special. You don't have to have it behind a paywall. The internet is free. But this is something I also talked about kind of in, I took a Shakespeare class, specifically about like publishing Shakespeare. Like what's really interesting about Shakespeare is like all of those stories already pre-existed and a lot of them were already plays. Like there already were Hamlets and already were like Macbeths and Winter's Tales and all these histories. He just said, I'm going to do it my way and make them better. Uh, but it's like there were other stories and that's because these were just like these like normal kind of there wasn't a copyright yet so it's like these fair use stories that just kind of existed and people would retell to each other his is just like the group that just got really really popular uh but like all of these plays like pre-existed like a lot of these plays already happened and he's like well i'm gonna make this play better so it's like a fanfic on a fanfic so it's like and he's shakespeare so i mean i think anyone can do it in the 18th century with the while like the novel like the novel kind of start growing around the early 18th century that's what we decide and people would would do this with like novels um this was more of the 17th century but like after Don Quixote came out, this guy who was also just like a very big fan of Don Quixote wrote an unauthorized sequel to it and people loved it. And they're like, oh yeah, a sequel to Don Quixote, my favorite, my favorite book, but it's written by a different dude. Whatever. I just love Don Quixote going on little adventures. So that's a big one. Oh, and same thing with Gulliver's Travels. Like when Gulliver's Travels came out, people were like, but what if Gulliver also did these travels? And they would start writing like expansion novels for Gulliver's Travels that were really popular. Because people were like, what if Gulliver actually went to this island too? I'm like, I, I guess. So like, this is just like a really human. Wow. Theme. I've never heard of this before. Yeah. Like this is something. And also like there's even more like Wild Star Goes So See, which is a very popular book. It's sort of just like, a fan fiction of Jane Eyre. It's like a prequel fanfic of Jane Eyre about the wife in the book. And like, yeah, it is. Like, I love Wide with Sargasser Sea. I love it a lot. It's one of my favorite books. Uh, but it is like fan fiction. And then like people also like, and this is the same thing with a lot. Like people would write a uh, fan fiction based on like the Time Machine and like other H.G. Wells works that were like published work. J.M. Barry, who wrote Peter Pan, loved to write fan fiction of Sherlock Holmes. And like that was got published. There was like a bunch of Lewis Carroll fan fiction that would be published as like extensions of the book. And that's just because back in the olden days, like in the 18th and 19th century uh, literature, it was the wild, wild west. And you can kind of just do crazy shit. Like you just could. And people were like, I guess I can't stop you from stealing my character also jane austen had a big a bunch of fan fictions written there's this one called old friends and new fancies an imaginary sequel to the novels of jane austen that came out in 1913 by sybil g Britton, which is like one of the like it's like unauthorized and this woman just was like i'm gonna write a sequel to all her books and she did uh catch me uh updating my libby holds list because i don't want to read this you know people like to act like fan fiction is like this new thing but no there's always been like a want for humans to do stuff and there's like I, I don't completely like there's some dispute about this like anthropologically so I'm really simplifying some wide concepts when I say this but even like very base like basic myth making like how myths were made were like here's like our like our 12 dudes we worship what if the 12 dudes were in this situation or you know here's our pantheon of gods and that's honestly a lot of it, like myth there's a lot to be made to say like that's how myths were made like what if Zeus met this sexy lady would he have turned her into a swan and forced her to have sex with him he would have or no, he turned into a swan and had sex with her which is even worse oh, um, God, that is horrifying yeah. swans are so gross and so it's like yeah I, I think that's all Fan fiction. Uh, but fan fiction, like, as we kind of know it more, really emerged in the, like, 60s with the Star Trek fandom. And that was the first big, like, fandom in the way we think of fandom nowadays. And there was this book called Spockanalia. Not book. It was a magazine, a fanzine called Spockanalia. It came out in 1967. That was, mo- like, a lot of fan fiction came from it. And people would then also sell fan fiction at, like, science fiction conventions and everything. But what's really interesting about this fandom and by about fan fiction at its beginning and this time is that it was pretty much all woman dom- 
Nominated, 83% of Star Trek fan fiction authors were female by 1970. And then by 1973, it was 90%. There's like this, there was this need for women to write beyond the boundary of a specific sort of art. And I think that continues into the modern era because most still today, uh, fan fiction tends to be by either female identified people or like, uh, like in general, it's still the largest trend. And then there's like the next would be like non-gendered identified people are very big proponents of fan fiction as well. And I think there is something to be said about wanting to go past just like what is given to you. And then after, you know, the internet came a common, people were able to do more fan fiction stuff, like get onto mailing lists of like fan fiction mailing lists where people would discuss fan fiction and send you new fan fics. Uh, and then people obviously start creating archives of fan fiction. And so in 1998, uh, fanfiction.net came about, which is pretty much the first big. Uh, and then you had uh, Archive of Our Own come out, and then also Wattpad way, way, way later. But those are kind of the big three in the fanfic world. Quotev? <laughs> Not quote, no. And I also wanted to mention what I was going through, like I used, I, I did a lot of research, but I also do use the Wikipedia just to keep me on like a uh, track. But this is something I had researched separately and also knew about separately. But uh, it's also interesting. This isn't just like a Western thing. Uh, in J- Japan, there's, I can never pronounce the word correctly, but I talk, I've talked about it in my class before. It's called doishinishi. But basically, it's what happened about the 60s and 70s where people would start making uh, manga that was independently published that was like reinterpretations of existing anime and manga and like really popular uh, mangakas came from this it was just a very interesting thing that also like you could it was happening all over the world around the same time and then clearly the internet made it big bigger uh, and like right now what we know statistically like as of 2020 is that pretty much of everyone who discloses their, their gender in this way and uh, this is from archive of our own they didn't do it with any other sites that 50 percent of them uh 50 percent of the writers are female or femme leaning 13 are masculine or masculine and then 11 uh disclose that they are uh transgender and then over 21 percent of the writers identify as non-binary uh or not on the traditional uh gender spectrum and so i think that's i I think that's a very interesting and then the age tends to be about 56 percent of their user base is university students and young adults and then 21 percent is around 30 years old and then anyone older is like 0.2. Uh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. I think, I mean, it, it certainly makes a lot of sense that a lot of um, really popular fan fictions that are based off of literature and media is things where, you know, women can find certain characters, women, non-binary yeah. people. I can only speak from my perspective as oh, sure. a, as a feminine identifying yeah. person. It allows you to express a sense of female perspective and female desire in literature in a way that yeah, isn't that is- maybe present in the source material. Or you see equality in a character and you can really explore it or put them in new situations and explore it. I, I definitely can see that. I think that's a big part of the whole phenomenon. And of course, I think overall, like fandom, I think fandom is always, I, I personally I believe religions are sort of fandom. Uh, but fandom, as we know, it obviously grew. And fandom is part of the fanfiction industry. It actually started with like Sherlock Holmes had a big fandom. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first like people who had like a, a fictional character fandom. And then arguably like, arguably like a, um like an author fandom, like one of the first use of the term actually came from Lord Byron because women were so mm-hmm. obsessed with him. They started having like fan meetups and like fan greetings of Lord Byron. So it's like the idea of like being a fan of someone so intensely, it has existed since, you know, we've been like for a very, very long, long time. But obviously it grew more with the internet and with like the ability for people to communicate with each other. And then, you know, as the internet and things like obviously the fanfiction sites and then just Reddit and other communication based platforms and then things like uh, DeviantArt and like art sharing platforms, uh, it's only only grown. Uh, this is it's just very interesting. I also learned that apparently the first furry was in 1980. 
That seems late. I know. I, I don't know. I, it seems both too early, but also too late. Well, I kept imagining they weren't like the in the the style that we see them today. You know, they were like, <laughs> very mascot oriented style. Although, like, think about yeah Vikings like wearing like the skins of animals to like That's take furry. on their like persona. Were like, the Vikings furry? I don't know. Is Brother Bear a furry? I'm not getting into this one right now. So that's like just kind of, you know, fandom history, fan fiction history as a whole. And of course, a big thing that comes up with fan fiction is like the legality of it. Because obviously for like the really early ones we used to start and like copyright is a pretty new concept, like in the history of mankind. It used to just be a sort of free for all. Also, every country does copyright a little bit differently, which I think is, I wish we, it's kind of like electrical plugs. I wish we just standardize it. But people like argue like is fan fiction cool or not? Uh, And I I personally think it is because it's uh, transformative and part of copyright in general is you're not infringing on something. If it's transformative, that means like it exists without infringing on the existence of another thing. So like if I want to go read, um, like, I don't know, name a book, Lily, any book. Harry Potter. Okay, cool. If I want to read Harry Potter, right, I'm going to read Harry Potter. Like I'm not going to use Harry Potter. Well, that's not true now because J.K. Rowling's a transcript. So I will use Harry Potter fan fiction instead of buying Harry Potter, but that's unrelated to the fan fiction. Uh, like those two things kind of exist together. If anything, fan fiction makes me want to buy more stuff and more media related to a fan I feel the same way I feel the same way so it's very and it's one of those things where I think anytime people bring up copyright and like the legality of fan fiction we all know that like at some point there's going to be a big trial about it there just hasn't been yet and I think for in general most people are pretty pretty good about just being like why don't we just not not do it I think Uh, the trick is we all need to write Anne Rice fan fiction because she is famously anti-fan well yeah I was going to bring her up Anne Rice is so funny and she's dead so rest in peace love um and i really like Anne rice mostly because i think she she her writing and the things she wrote were very interesting and fascinating but it is interesting these authors who like are on this divide so like you have very strong anti fan fiction writers uh so like Anne rice is a big one she hate she was like very much and people like you you had to for a very long time you had to be very sneaky to find Anne rice fan fiction because at some point they got it uh she was like i'm gonna fight you if you keep doing this and people were like all right we don't want to deal with this crazy old lady you have to google like vampire slime tutorial (laughs) yeah you have to do like old school vampire slime tutorial to find it and let me know i really like Anne rice as a writer and i me too i I quite enjoy her i think she's great uh i like the stuff she wrote uh but that's not the point i do think that was uh, it's very sketchy but I feel like Anne Rice, because she's a woman, gets all the shit. But a big person who also hates fan fiction is George R. R. Martin. That man Ugh. hates it. He is like, don't you dare write my my good, good twin Mary. I don't think you could do anything to Game of Thrones, to the books, to make them any worse than they no, already are. No, fan fiction makes it better. It's like, why don't we make this character who, like, you know, and I, I get, I, I don't mind Game of Thrones, or I really love House of the Dragon. I think pretty dragon people are fighting each other is attractive that's a thing for me as 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 stated anybody who has long white hair i'm like mm, legolas <laughs> or mm, so i'm like I'm a, I'm a big targaryen girl but in general i think it's ridiculous he's like i hate fan fiction did you dare wrote fan fiction on my work only oh, i can do it which i think is just like a really weird a weird thing to i don't know a weird stance to take in general he's also sort of a weird dude I don't know. I, he's he's fine. I think overall he's pretty fine. He's done some weird things, but I do think his criticism of fan fiction is odd, considering like in general, I think when writing fantasy, fan fiction is just kind of part of like the fan culture. So to be so against it is odd. Yeah, because um, when you're creating like a universe in a world, like yeah. naturally people are going to want to populate it with characters. Yeah, and I I think there's something very lovely about that to some extent because it's like 
as a writer, you you should be flattered that somebody loves your world so much they want to imagine more into it. And be like, well, what if yeah. this character existed in this country that you never really wrote a book about because you just can't possibly write a book about every single part of your world, but they love the information. And we're like, I'm going to, you know, write my own stuff about it. I, I think that's cool. Like, I, I often do that because there are, like, cities and stuff or worlds that are in Game of Thrones uh, that he just never really explores. Like, he he's written all this history for, but he just never, like, actually writes stories with the characters in these places. I'm like, well, I want to know, like, what's happening in the city or what's happening during this reign of this king. And there's fan fiction for that. And I think that's really cool. Or even, and I, I will say even write some, like, I read, like, some somewhat uh, questionable shipping fan fiction of on it but it's not getting to any more questioning than the canon that's true, of Green because of most of the, like i like to read a lot of sansa x various people fan fiction mostly because sansa is so abused in both the books and the television program that i like to go find a nice soft fan fiction where she gets to find love and like be happy because i love that character so much so it's like it really feels a need that he's not doing for me george will not do for me i will say there are tons of fan of authors who also are very pro fan fiction like very famously neil gaiman is a huge fan fiction yes. he loves fan fiction He's one, a beautiful man. Uh, and two, he, he's very big on fan fiction. He actually has openly admitted that he wrote fan fiction a lot uh, when practicing writing. And he's won a Hugo though and a Nebula and a Bram Stoker Award. So he's pretty in Carnegie Medal. So I mean, like, and he wrote fan fiction. Yeah. Um. Also, he's just awesome. And I love him. So he's got the Lily Medal of Approval. Yeah, he's, he's very cool. He's just a cool dude. And so I'm just very, I like that he's always been so pro it. And he's like, yep write fan fiction about my characters i love it uh could it be happier i think there's something very um nice about that and then another person who actually i think honestly i feel bad because i feel like of anybody who deserves to be mad about fan fiction it's her but stephanie meyer has always been very pro fan fiction like she's often on her own private like network on her public networks and stuff shared fan fiction and been like i really like the story written about you know these characters in my books how cool like she's very supports it and i think of anyone who should be like angry at it because someone basically did like copy her and then make millions off of her intellectual property like for realsies uh she's been pretty chill about the whole thing and she didn't have to be like like i'm not saying she's the most woke woman in the world i do think she that's pretty cool because she could have sued that woman and then ruined fan fiction for everyone but she said she said whatever you know there's a lot to be said about the the politics and gender roles of twilight but like i think yeah. there's a reason why women queer people keep coming back to it as a media even yeah. if we're you know like laughing at it but we're not laughing at it no, maliciously I... like we're laughing at it in a loving way and it's because it doesn't talk down to us and our feelings and it's, yeah, just, it's very like, entrenched it's designed in it. for women yeah especially like 14 year old girls and like i was mentioning oh. the crazy shit i did as a 14 year old so reading like this i'm like yeah that is how it feels sometimes like it feels bad and you make bad allegories and it's just the emotions and like you would be like i'm gonna give my life to a beautiful man and because like what everything's else am I covered do? in a blue filter like as it should be it's beautiful i highly recommend two things one i highly recommend the youtuber uh video essayist big joel made a video about stephanie meyer but like he analyzed it like in this very literature way and the points he makes in it are super insane and makes it like me rethink the whole book i highly recommend and then my second thing is is the stephanie meyer work if you so Stephanie Meyer gets shot on because here's the thing. Stephanie Meyer only wanted to write Twilight. And the Twilight became so popular that people said you have to write more books. But it wasn't supposed to. It was supposed to be a standalone book. And so she basically had to, like, figure out how to do, like, all this stuff that was never supposed to happen uh, really quickly because people were demanding it of her. So that's one thing. But in between it, and so you can argue about Stephanie Meyer's writing and whatever. I don't think it's the best prose, I think. But I think if you look at the, the last books that go down in quality, it's the prose of someone who's being forced to write a bunch of books at once. Uh, and like make a story that wasn't initially like mapped out like she had to add all this stuff but in between 
After Eclipse was written, the book, she published this very short novella called The Second Short Life of Brie Tanner. And I will tell you right now, that book actually is very good. It's, it's extremely, very good. It's extremely well written. And the story itself is like this tragic story about this woman who was assaulted one night, turned into a vampire, told she has to now fight this war she had nothing about. She had her entire life stripped away from her. She realized that morally she did not like this. She had to deal with her own immortality and came to terms with that, came to terms with like morality and immortality. And then she went to the colons and was like, look, I want to fight on your side and help you all out, but I won't kill and I won't do these things. And the colons were like, cool. And then you can be our new adopted sister. And this whole thing is so she thinks she's finally going to have this chance at a life. And it is brutally cut off because if you read Eclipse or have watched it, she's killed by the Volturi like really quickly just for existing and it's like maybe the most tragic and also the most amazing story like conceptually Stephanie Meyer ever wrote and it's like I think that really is Stephanie Meyer because she was like you know what I can write something like something very beautiful and I think the second short life of Brie Tanner is one of the most beautiful pieces of just like literature written like there is something so poignant about that story it's so wild because like you have so many vampire stories that are about like immortal beings that exist for many many years but what about a vampire story it was about a girl who's a vampire for like a week and then it's miserable she, and then the moment she comes to terms with like her future is basically sentenced to hell like damned forever it, it's almost like an allegory for like sexual assault like it is it's there's there's something i don't know i just really love the second short it's life it's very of, poignant a brie tanner no. and people don't read it and then they don't know that Stephanie Meyer is secretly like a genius <laughs> yeah that came in my like box set of twilight books i got in middle yeah. school and i loved it but also i want to point out the only part of the whole series i find really unreadable is the first half of breaking dawn from oh, jacob's yeah. perspective and jacob is an insufferable character yeah kelsey you were with me when i oh um, with the boy <laughs> i matched so with this guy on hinge who was like debate me like who's the better like love interest in twilight or whatever and i was like well obviously edward like look edward's not perfect but based on the movies and the books like he is in bella's interest and jacob is a purely selfish person who's immature which i mean he's a teenager edward's a million years old but like if, if those are the only two options is the superior option um objectively and this man was like no it should be jacob because like i don't even know what his i don't agree either was. but it was so funny and then he unmatched with you yeah and he got mad at me and unmatched with me because i was right in spitting facts and uh he couldn't back up his stupid opinion because he had never actually read or engaged yeah. with it on a, on a media literacy level i feel like one day we'll have to just do a twilight episode because you know we could just talk about twilight for so long i will say i was misguidedly a jacob girl for a while mostly because i really thought Taylor Lautner was very beautiful. I still do. I think he's a beautiful Same. creature. That's how people and start like, off. And then you you learn, you grow, you yeah. mature, and you become an Edward girl. Yeah. I Yeah, exactly. And I was like, actually, there's something great here. And actually, I think actually, I think Bella could have just been a vampire by herself. I think she should have just been a single vampire. That would have been the hottest. I personally but- am a Rosalie girl. I think Rosalie is also. That's the thing with. Okay. Twilight moment. Is there, it's like, yes, Stephanie Meyer has written some bad stuff, but every now and then she will write like the most poignant story ever written, like conceived. And you'll be like, who are you, Stephanie? Like Rosalie's story arc about this woman who is like very well off and well bred. And then, it, but she sees her, but it's like treated as a commodity in her society. Then is engaged to this very wealthy man who she thinks is going to be my happy life after. And then him and all his friends assault her and basically leave her for dead in the alley. Then Carlisle comes and like saves her. 
And instead, and then she goes and she dresses up in her wedding dress and she kills them all, but she refuses to drink a single drop of their blood and she never drinks blood. Like she kills her abusers with a new vampire power, but will not drink their blood because she's like, you will, your disgusting filth will not go between my lips. And then she ends up dating Emmett, who is like the sexiest boy ever. I love Emmett. So it's like- He's such a himbo. He's such a good boy. And his big anybody. bag of eggs. His big bag of eggs. I want my beautiful Rosalie, my beautiful like black, black cat golden retriever pair. They're beautiful and- Again, I would go look for stories about them because I think they're the best pair. Like, people are always like, Alice and Jasper. I'm like, no, Alice oversteps boundaries. She has no consent. And Jasper was a Confederate soldier. So a literal not, Confederate soldier. He was literally the Confederacy. Whereas Emmett was my sweet mountain boy, just eating his uh, eggs and killing bears. And Rosalie was killing rapists. And she would not drink their blood because she did not deserve to nourish her body. But yeah. I think that's beautiful. <laughs> Which also, as we know, within Twilight, like being like new like like, a, like what do they call them, like fledglings or, or whatever they call them newborns whatever it's like almost near impossible to, res- to have restraint like that and she has it because she's like no i'm that bitch and i'm like yes rosalie you are i i love it you know honestly i love a a, a himbo grumpy a grumpy sunshine that like uh grumpy falls first i think because i am like Okay, I'm very girly right now. I'm like I'm yeah. all black or whatever. You know, chic haircut. But like t- typically I'm pretty girly and bubbly, but I'm not very outgoing. I'm not very open yeah. to meeting new people. I'm not very friendly. <laughs> um, unless in certain situations. But um I, I'm not very open. And so I am a little bit more of a midnight rain than a sunshine. Oh yes. But they got to I just love this. I'm in a rose. Anyways, this is a weird twilight moment. But fan fiction. Stephanie was cool about it. So, and there's also been uh, recently an organization uh, that is, like, specifically to protect um, der- fan-derived works. And more of these little advocacy groups have popped up. So, I think there will be a time where this legally gets, like, dealt with. But by now, it's just in this nebulous zone. So, I thought, I found top five, this article called the top five most uh, controver- infamous fan fictions ever written. And I thought we could just go through them. And then I would read I have a couple great- ideas in mind. Of what yeah, the be. first one's. The first one's pretty obvious. It's My Immortal. Which have I you love. watched the Sarah Zed videos? Of course. Like, I, or have you watched any of the live action doing the My Immortal? It's amazing. My Immortal is... That sounds amazing. It's good. The, you must read, watch them. My Immortal is loosely based on Harry Potter. Extremely loosely based. And what I love about My Immortal is, like, I feel like as we've grown up and societies become less thinking that little girls are stupid, it, this is so clearly a very clever satire. That was like a metafiction piece that had this really bad overdramatic fan fiction with it. But the real story was happening between the comments because in My Immortal, like within the comments and within these posts, you would see two friends fighting and you saw the, like, the disillusion of a friendship happening in real time as you were reading this horrible Harry Potter fanfic. I'm like, no, this is clearly so planned out and genius and probably one of the best pieces of literature ever. Like, really? it was the big, I, I, people will be like, oh man, it's like when men write metafiction that's like in books and it's like, cool, they're like, oh, that's so smart. But when a little like 13-year-old girl says, I'm going to write some of the most mind-bending bullshit ever and she does it, they're like, no, girls aren't that smart. This is just stupid teen stuff. And some New Zealand dude, some Kiwi man, mm-hmm. uh, try to take credit for it. But we all know you're not the real author. No, for sure you're not. Like, I let me tell you, as someone who again, self admittedly unhinged fourteen year old girl, that's the kind of bullshit you do. It's like secretly genius, but only someone who has so much free time and is living off someone else's income could do it. Truly, uh, the second one is one I had never heard of, but I absolutely love it. It's called Salvation, or maybe Salivation. It had two different titles, and it's a SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> fanfic that got that got banned from fanfic.net because it was so horrible because he. The person who wrote it, basically, there was basically no story. It was just 
SpongeBob SquarePants being extremely racist and homophobic. And he would just go, and SpongeBob would just go off on these homophobic rants. It, but it was be SpongeBob SquarePants. I mean, SpongeBob SquarePants was a pasty little fry cook who lived at home with his cat snail. Like, I'm not surprised he'd be racist and homophobic. Yeah, it was pretty much horrible it's very very bad it should have the worst it should be the worst ca- fan fiction ever made but i just love the idea that and it's really bad like i i do trigger warn if you look it up like it says some pretty bad slurs in it but the idea that it's coming from spongebob is really funny to me i thought you were gonna tell me it's just like complete like spongebob smut which sounds no really i wish funny. i mean we can find that uh, i don't here, i'm good this one is also very good it's called hogwarts school of prayer and miracles i'm familiar so this is one where they're like okay we need to make Harry Potter for the Christians. So it's a Christian retelling of Harry Potter. It's kind of insane and very preachy, lots of God. And I think I will say the same thing with My Immortal. I personally believe that this is not a true fan fiction. I believe that somebody wrote this as satire, but because we think of fan fiction as such shit that we're like, no, no, anyone who's writing here can't possibly think of something so clever. But if you read it, it's so clear. Like, I would say a someone and you would agree as people who are like in the evangelical community and have not in it we're not evangelicals but have like been raised in the evangelical community those people do not care about doing this kind of bullshit instead they'd rather just burn harry potter like they don't care they're not going to engage with it like on a chapter by chapter level the person who's rewriting it clearly just thought it'd be funny because there's like a huge thing with evangelicals not liking harry potter because of witchcraft and was like i'm going to rewrite this this way to work out my own frustrations with this community and this hate and i think that's really clever but because they're like you know teen girls are like no it has to be stupid um strange eons has a great video great one yeah i love strange eons another big one obviously masters of the universe which is the 50 shoes of great fan fiction i personally like it because she went by snow queen ice dragon and because it was insanely long and I liked that Edward Cullen, like, became a weird businessman. I liked that that was the thought that AU, like, of all the AUs could have, it's Edward Cullen being a businessman and Bella being an intern. And you're like, that's my sexual fantasy. I mean, he wears trench coats and drives a Volvo. Uh, okay, but the Volvo Twilight is so good. And then the last one they have here is from the My Little Pony fanfic community, which we could ha- do a Bronies episode one day. That'd be fun. <gasps> yes. But this was called Cupcakes, and... As a little girl who was traumatized by the MLP community, because I loved My Little Ponies, and I didn't know that there were adult men who were writing horrible things about it, I would accidentally stumble into this stuff. This one's pretty bad, mostly because it was kind of a grim, dark thing, where it was like, Peaky Pie's going to torture Rainbow Dash and then turn her meat into cupcakes. And it's like super gross and weird. And I also think, I don't know, I think there's a lot of okay things with the Brony fandom. Like, again, I, I think my views are very similar to Jenny Nicholson's views that she did in her documentary i think there is something inherently weird like i think there are a lot of okay bronies like if you're an adult man who is like breaking masculine norms to like just like a cartoon about friendship and caring that's really dope and there were a lot of people like that but i think if you're watching this cartoon and being like i want to see what these two ponies do if they cannibalize each other there is something fundamentally wrong with you yeah yeah I, so that's those are the top like worst that they they found although i think i found some pretty bad ones for us to read I also I'm just excited. like want to mention our last like you know some of the there's like I just think there's so much fanfic drama that we could get into I can't even like I, I don't know there's just so much that happened like I love all like I highly recommend go watching the video about Miss Scribe and the Harry Potter fanfic that's one of my favorites I think it's good uh nothing's nothing's better than just like I like I feel like I this counts as fanfic but when Tumblr blogs would pretend to be characters I think that's good so there's like one about like Sonic ass blog that was like 
weirdly anti-social justice on Tumblr, the video about that. I highly recommend. And of course, the one for fanfic video. There is that. All of the one cest era. I was explaining this to someone the other day. It's like, so hard to explain the one cest era. I was era. with four people. There were like four of us. And like one other person had heard of it. The other she was like, like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh. The greatest thing ever. I will say it's by the grace of God. I didn't like stumble into that fan fiction because Sarah said I was explaining it about in case anyone is Pete the Wensler from the uh, animated Lorax about like the original book, the animated one that came out with Danny DeVito. So it's the Wensler, but they started shipping him with himself. And I will say I should describe that. I was like, that is a community I would so have gotten into if I had stumbled into it at the right time. At, like, yeah, like, I'm glad I avoided it because any like yeah, she was talking about like oh he's like kind of dorky. But like what I liked about the Wensler is that he was tall and wore gloves. <laughs> Dark. I like that he was tall. He wore gloves. He had that came for a bit. He had that dark hair. And I was like, I have like a dark little, an evil boy outfit. Yeah. He had an evil boy outfit. And Lily and I love an evil boy outfit. Oh, okay. gosh. I had a. I had a thought before we go on. Yeah. Um. So I've decided my birthday party this year is going to be Barbie themed. And so you can oh, dress up I as a Barbie. Love that. Or like a Barbie movie Here. character. And I was like, well, if I don't have a man, I'll be um, I'll be Alina from Fairytopia. Pink Pink will oh, be good, Bibble. Good. Fun, fun, fun. But I was like, if I do have a man, I'll be Erica and he'll be King Dominic. Then I was like, wait a second. Like, I could make a man dress up like that- King Dominic, Dominic from Barbie Princess in the oh. Popper. I think it'd be great if you should do it like the King Dominic Dominic doll that was famously also Prince. That was also Julian, and you just <laughs> changed her. Back and forth. <laughs> both. He's he's very specifically that doll. I don't know. I personally, my hair's not dark, but I'd love to be Odile. That'd be hottie. She's a hottie, and I love her uh, icon. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll just show up as that horse sister, <laughs> Brietta or whatever. Renunu. Renunu, as I called her on our other podcast, because I could not remember her name to save my life. Or maybe I'll be one of the mini dancing princesses. But you can, you'll have to guess which dancing princess I am, but I will not tell you. You're going to be the one who plays Coquet. I forgot about the Coquet one. Yeah, I'll be her. If I can't make it to your, if I can't end up making it to your party, will you carry me around on a phone looking like uh, the diamond necklace from Barbie and the Diamond Castle? <gasps> that would be amazing. That's, I love okay. this. That's Lily's birthday party. I'm glad we all planned that out on live together. Uh, but yeah. If you have any no, ideas, comment below. I think in general, I like talking about fan fiction. I think we just need like a chill thing. I think fan fiction ultimately is a good for society. I think it's good that we do it. And we've done it forever. Like people who act like it's some bad thing we've started. No, we've done it literally since people wrote. I mean, I think it's positive for women. It's a way to explore mm. as you're growing up and express your sexuality and figure out what things like all of the way too much sexual assault and some of the fan fictions I was reading make you uncomfortable and you can yeah. think about why and it allows you to explore all these different issues you can explore different aspects of your gender identity yeah. and sexuality through how you relate to characters and I just think it's way more positive than porn too when you're like reading smut and stuff because it doesn't <laughs> harm anybody and you also relate to the characters like you're my sweet baby it's not only see you get yeah, and then, like, you're not, like, especially with fictional characters, when it comes to real people, there are, there are issues there, especially yeah. shipping real people. I think there is something to be said about yeah. that. But the yeah. idea that you can engage in, like, sexual content without, you know, directly yeah. exploiting a, a real nice. person. I think it it's a positive. That, it makes sense that women kind of created that space. Yeah, I think more men should read smut instead of I think men should wear smut. They'd like it. I think it's good. They would be right. very surprised. So instead of our traditional deep end, I thought I would go with just reading fan fiction. Is um, there any self-insert? You'll see. Ooh. This one, again, and I just went to Wattpad and I went through their, like, their top trending right now. And then I purposely like kind of rabbit hole to find stuff. 
So this one still, as of our year, has 3.4 million reads. It's called Texting MagCon by Savage Queen XX. Do we need to explain to the youth what MagCon is? I feel like it's better if they just don't know. Like, okay, what, you don't know. Hey, youth, what do you think MagCon is? You can just put in whatever you're thinking and put that there. Sean Mendes may or may not have been a part of it. The world may never know. There are 77 parts. Choose a part. Between 1 and 77. Um, I'm going to go with 35. You okay. really thought I was going to say 69, but then I didn't. No, 35. This is text messages. That's all this is. This is a short one. Layla Johnson. And I suddenly forgot how to breathe. Okay. Um, And then a lot of people are... Okay, there's an Instagram photo from MadCon. Okay, I see now. Username. Oh, my God. Username, too. Wesley? Okay, all right. You're so cute. Jack J. I need to do my research on this kid. Cameron Dallas. <laughs> Just a... Straight face emoji. Username three. She's a slut. You don't need that, Cameron Dallas. I'm Ginny Baby. Get some Layla. Layla Johnson, because he's so ugly. At Cap. Okay. Cameron Dallas. Don't call her that if you don't know her you her username three. So okay. Alright. So what you're saying is I take your breath away because I'm ugly. Okay, it makes total sense. Layla Johnson. Okay, so in this fan fiction, <laughs> this woman, this girl is in clearly i mean she dates herself by putting her yeah. math, math she's learning it sounds like seventh grade um but also her fantasy is that she is texting with cameron dallas and like it's friends with him they're on instagram like maybe they're flirting whatever and then yeah. people are cyber bullying her because they're jealous i mean at least that's what's happening as of that chapter i will say what's also great about it is she embeds real snapchats that the madcon boys had into the text it's a multimedia affair. There is a thing really with Cameron like Dallas nudes. I loved him in his performance of uh, Mean Girls. That's in Mean Girls? Yeah, it was really bad. you got to look up Cameron ba- Dallas Mean Girls. I will. Slim tutorial. This next one is called Twist. Somewhat a Harry Potter AU, but there are lots of things that happen in this one. I'll, I'll read you the uh, description. Julia Stone was a regular girl. She lived in an orphanage, had some friends, you know, like, like regular girls do, and every now and then would bang her head against the wall to distress. Totally normal. Anyway, all her life, Julie never seemed to quite fit in. She loved it, but her life didn't feel like her own. That was one of the reasons she loved reading. She could momentarily escape her world, even though it wasn't possible. At least she thought so. She never expected to be thrown in front of a bus and die. Who does? She never expected that the aftermath of dying was to wake up as a bushy-haired girl from the universe she loved. And she truly didn't expect Hermione Granger to have more backstory than what the books mentioned. But let's just say it was a twist. Julie never expected. She dropped dead divas into Hermione Granger's body. Yeah. A week has passed since the owl results arrived at the burrow and Hermione was punched in the face by a telescope. She was hoping the hues of, pur- blues of purple and yellow would start to fade within that time, but she had no luck. Though the swelling had decreased, her eye was now purple, and she was starting to get ticked off. Who would it be? Mrs. W. Hermione called as she approached the older woman by the kitchen doing the dishes. What's wrong, dear? Turned her face lightly to the curly-haired witch. I was just wondering if I could use your flu to go to the twins' flat. Oh, this is a Hermione gives with the twins. Good. Ooh, Hermione told the ginger woman, who now fully turned with a, uh, her with her eye frown. There must have been something for my eye, Hermione elaborated, and Mrs. Weasley clipped her tongue in understanding... And bring them along with you when you return. Merlin knows they haven't been for more than a been there here for more than a week, and I reckon they're not feeding themselves properly. Anyway, so that's that. What I love about this is brings up something that happens a lot in fan fiction is 
teenage girls are kind of writing out their trauma and stuff and they have characters be so abused go through so much crap it's like horrifying which is really funny that that's your fanfic an orphan who never feels love gets hit by a bus and then gets punched in the face by a telescope right after her exam this one's great it's called mirror ball lily tell me what you think this is gonna be what fan fiction is this lily Okay, well, I'm imagining it's, I'll show you every piece of yourself tonight. That's not the lyrics. I'm so sorry, Maribel stands. Um, I'm going to go bluey. I love that. Actually, okay. Rosalia has been at the ALDC since she was two, but this year is different in many ways. Her and her team are doing a new routine every weekend. And on top of that, she has a new duet party. This is about being on Dance Moms, the hit reality TV show, and dancing at the Abby Lee Dance Company. That's amazing. Nothing to do with a Taylor Swift song then. Uh, not at all. There are like 31 chapters. Give me a chapter. 22. Ooh, very good. Feeling That's 22. different Taylor Swift song. <laughs> Rosalia would never understand why Nia was on the bottom of the period mid. Me too, Rosalia. She did Rosalia really well. Is Rosalia a real person or is she just writing herself she's into? A, she's a self-insert. The top of the pyramid goes like this. Maddie, Paige, Chloe, Rosalia, Brooke, McKinsey, Nia. Next is Rosalia slash Spencer because you both did absolutely beautiful with the duet. It's really amazing watching you two dance together. This is my Abby Lee Miller. Dance together. You two have so much chemistry and you just suck everyone in when they're dancing. Also, Rosalia, you did very well in the group number. So congratulations. So she's not on top of the period. That would be ridiculous. No, Maddie's no, Maddie, going to be on top. She doesn't even dream that big. Maddie's guns to be on top of the pyramid. She's she not even second. She's fourth on the pyramid. Fourth overall. Maddie and Rosalia had solos. Chloe, Nia, and Maddie had a trio. The group dance was called Trapped, and it was about homeless kids. So far, she loved the idea of the dance, and she thought it was going to go really well. Three days until competition. Up in dance gel, Holly Kelly and Christy were interrogating Melissa about her ring. This is a real episode. I think she's just inserting herself into an actual episode. Dance Are they about to get canceled for doing a dance about homeless children? No, they didn't. That was a real dance they did. This is so funny. I love this. I think more. this is good fan fiction. <laughs> Yeah, more fan fiction should be like that. This one, I don't remember what it... Oh, I do! Okay, this story's called His Bubblegum Bitch. What do you think this fan fiction is? I mean, I'm thinking it's Ned's Declassified School Survival Guy, the, like, Lily, bully character, and dumb. Ned shift together. You're, don't be dumb, Lily. It's Willy Wonka. Wait, You're... no. Who are the characters? You are Lily the bucket the older sister of charlie bucket and your 25 year old woman who works in a small candy shop to help your family even though you don't make much you still earn enough to buy extra food once in a while one day everyone wakes up to see posters scattered all across the town in country posters that announce willy wonko would be opening his factory to five lucky golden ticket winners after the madness broke out and everyone began buying waka bars nonstop, trying to increase their chances of being the lucky ticket winner but what happens if your little brother ends up being one of them most importantly what happens in what will happen if you're a certain chocolatier ends up having an unhealthy obsession with you? <laughs> an unhealthy can obsession. You, can you send me the link to this? <laughs> an unhealthy obsession that would make him do anything, even kill anyone who tried to hurt you or steal from you from him. After all, you are his bubblegum bitch. See, I was thinking this was going to be a Willy Wonka, Violet Beauregard pairing, which I was not into, but honestly. No, no, now I'm into that. <laughs> Lily, you have- that's kind of hot <laughs> yeah i'm kind of into it. okay share yeah i may read that later <laughs> me too me three all right keep that one all right what are all these okay and then i just got a lot of peter pan ones because i kind of find peter pan hot so i just like yeah, i'll read these but i will say i won't read i just looked into it but what i really liked about the peter pa- peter pan fan fiction right is that it's all peter pan from once upon a time 
Mm, like that's the Peter Pan people are hot for, which I think is interesting. No, I'm a, I'm a Captain Hook girly. I like South yeah, Park Once Upon are. a Time, right when that stuff got in there, and yeah, yeah I a... am like I'm very much a Peter. Like I like I like Captain Hook from uh Once Upon a Time in general, but in, hot. but in general, I'm a big Peter Pan girl. Like I think as a little girl, like the idea of like a really hot boy coming to steal me away from my horrible life was like the best thing. I was like, yes. And like oh. also also here's the thing about Peter Pan. I this is true about me as a child, and to some extent when it's like consensual adult as an adult. Because I'm not, like, not like, attracted to child actors, clearly. Um, but I have found every single version of Peter Pan hot, including the female Peter Pan. That were, like, I had an original taping of the Broadway play of Peter Pan where he's played by a woman. And I was, like, it's the most attractive boy I've ever played. And I'm, like, it is no wonder I am queer. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know. One thing I want to think about, maybe, I don't know if this can be a topic for an yeah. episode, maybe one that I come up with the material for. Finally, Lily, like, God damn it, do some is, work, would you, for this podcast? But like, why, why women are so interested in these, like, kidnapping fantasies, or, like, even in, like, classic novels, there's so many getting well, stolen yeah, away. A, what I know about that is, because of my English degree, we talk about it a little bit, but a lot of bodice rippers were written because during the time, women, like, it was bad if you enjoyed sex. So the only way, like, it would make sense for a woman to be having sex is if it was non-consensual. Like, if you were having premarital sex, the only way it would be, like, kind of recognized, like, as okay in society is if it was non-consensual. So, like, you had to write all these books where women were, like, having sex and it was sexy. But, like, the women secretly like, oh, no, I don't want this to be happening to me because I'm a good girl. So then the women who were reading it didn't feel bad about liking it. Yeah, and then reading it now, it's like you're enjoying it, but then you're there's part of you that just feels weird yeah. about it too. I think there is a whole thing where it's like women in general are just told like they just can't enjoy sex. And what that means, you can't enjoy consensual sex. So like you kind of weirdly rewire your brain to be like, well, if I'm enjoying sex, then it has to be something bad about it. Like it has to be like depraved. Yeah. God, we're getting into that. But um. Yeah, anyway. I, I just want to read the Willy Wonka one. Excellent. I cannot wait to read this. I highly recommend the Willy Wonka one. Haven't read it. Can't say everything, but it sounds good. Yeah. Oh, the syntax is bad. I'm so excited. Very excited. Well, yeah, so this has been a pretty chill episode. I think we needed a chill one. Also, we've been yeah, decompressing. So I think a chill one is just in it. Again, we would love if you guys ever sent us stuff. We would, of course, read it. Uh, Lily, start posting on our TikTok, so get excited for that. Go follow us there. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, working on the on the back content right now. She's a star, and we love her. Uh, and I would just say, you know, yeah, every now and then we just have chill episodes where we talk about some nonsense. And if you have comments, concerns, feel free to give it to us. But as you can tell, I take criticism really poorly, so maybe don't. Maybe keep it to yourself. Uh, Podlings, we love you. Podlings, One thing we, we love learned you. today is that the forest perverts will never die. No, you can't. This is a sequel to our fort per- perverts. We're always here. We're always clear. Get used to it. And it sucks to suck. Love you. <laughs> Love y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.